recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's, let's get, get it, it on. on. We're back. Martial Culture Podcast, uh, Matt Peters, Coach Renee. Renee, welcome back. Hey, buddy. Great to see you. As always, such a pleasure. So so excited to be here and talk to you about these awesome, awesome fights on the weekend. And I just uh, really, really, uh, really excited to talk about them. There were some fights this weekend. Were they? Were there any anything big going on this weekend? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Something happened. Yeah. Yeah. No. It was uh, UFC 222, which is actually kind of cool. It's already um, almost uh, you know one quarter one quarter of the way to 300. The UFC has just come a long, long way, and uh, you saw the headliner Chris Cyborg uh, fighting her for her title. Um, Brian Ortega and Frankie Edgar, a match of you know uh, new school versus legend. And um, then you had some, again, some some really interesting uh, debut MMA fight for Mackenzie Dern, who is a former uh, B- Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion, uh, very, very well known in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world. Uh, John Dodson, who is, you know, the, the, the person who always loses to Mighty Mouse, but that, you know, he's an amazing fighter and uh, fought a great fighter, uh, Pedro Munoz. And coming back, one of the uh, veterans, uh, veteran among veterans, Andre Arlovsky. Andre Arlovsky fought his first UFC fight in, I believe it was 2000 or 1999. Can you check? It was just, yeah, yeah it was, I believe his first UFC fight was 1999 or 2000, something like that. Like, you know, years and years and years ago, his first fight. And, you know, I don't remember he, he defeated Tim Sylvia. For the UFC title with a footlock, um, his first UFC. Yeah, he started 2000. fighting. Yeah, he started, he started fighting in 1999 in Russia, and he started in the UFC in 2000. So he's UFC been fighting 28. 28. Oh my God! And yeah, he fought Aaron Brink, and he armbarred him. I remember that Aaron Brink was actually pretty tough, and he had a a, a specific armbar which we in 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 uh, the judo world call the Yatskevich armbar. And uh, and uh, fifty five seconds in the first round. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's a it's a very a very very uh, great armbar. I remember seeing it and going, oh wow, that's that's the judo armbar. It's not the judo armbar only, but uh, but it was created by a, a Russian judo fighter or, or popularized. And and now he's fighting, you know, almost twenty years later, fighting the UFC. And I let me tell you, I thought this guy was done because he's had some terrible losses, some terrible knockouts, and he came in, he fought Stefan Struve. And from pillar to post, out grappled him. Beautiful takedowns, simple back to base. People don't realize Andre Olavsky is actually um, a, a combat sambo fighter, which is a grappling art. So his base is grappling. He transitioned to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but he's really well known as a striker because he actually has very good hands. Um, but he started to lose his hand speed. He started to get older. And this is what every fighter goes through you get older. Your reaction time gets slower. And then if you don't have that like tremendous technique, you know, the the the, the really good technique in your striking, you're gonna be exposed. Roy Jones Jr. happened to him. So many strikers mm-hmm. versus someone like Bernard Hopkins. I don't know if you know Bernard Hopkins fought well into a, a later ages, and he was just a force because you couldn't hit him. Mm-hmm. He had a solid foundation. He didn't use his attributes. To 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 cover to, to to win the fight, his his foundations were there, so the the loss of the hand speed wasn't so much, and but it affected Andre, losing losing his hand speed, getting knocked out a lot. 
I thought he was done. And he came in, and he just um, – he's in a new camp now. He, he moved from uh, Jackson Wing to um, American Top Team, and I think that really helped him. And he brought it back to basics, clinched, took um, Stefan Struve down multiple times, and um, just, just dominated him. And um, typical old-school grappler versus striker, when you're dealing with someone so tall – who has so much reach? I don't know. You know, Stefan Stefan Struve is like uh, like twenty five feet tall. Right? Yeah, uh, I believe I he's six eleven. That's the biggest fighter in the UFC, I believe. Yeah, the the I don't think he's historically the biggest, but he is now because there was Sammy Schilt. Uh, he's seven feet. Oh, he is seven feet. I think oh they're giving God. him a couple of inches. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. So seven feet. Can you look up Sam? Let me look up Sammy Schilt. Uh, he was he was an old school UFC fighter. Um, and he was, he's actually also Dutch and I think he is actually taller, but I'm not sure. That's not really that important. Google says Stefan Strew, tallest fighter. Well, maybe tallest active fighter. Yeah. yeah, I just put it in. Can you look in semi S E M M Y and S C H I L T. Let's see how tall he is. Semi Schultz, like the the yeah. There he goes. That's it. Six eleven. Six eleven. Okay, yeah. So yeah, two yep. inches. Two inches, right? But I yeah yeah. So he there. <laughs> he Sammy Schultz looks bigger because he has more muscle, I think. Um, but uh, these guys, oh, yeah, he's two eighty seven. Yeah, yeah. He's true. True. Toothpick. Yeah, he's two. Yeah, so you're doing twenty pounds difference. Yeah, exactly twenty pounds different, right? Mm. So. Uh, um, but yeah, uh, Stefan Struve just had no answer for Andre Olavsky and. Um, I was pretty impressed, you know. Why doesn't he just put his hand on his head and just like you can't hit him? He's you know such a long reach or kick right, him. Or right. Something. No, you know it's funny. Like you would think, you know that that height that the, you know the the the, the playground, your cartoon thing. But that, if you have reach, that's what it comes down to. But what uh, Arlovsky did was change levels, clinch, and do the most basic takedown technique. The one I teach the very first day in my academy, outside trip. Yeah. Wrap your leg around the guy, put your weight on the leg, and tip him over and. Timber, <laughs> that was what happened, and Stefan Struve had a bad day, and oh, you know he couldn't finish him, but uh, but it was it was it was a good fight, it was a good fight, and uh, Andre looked looked great, and uh, he put he made Stefan backpedal, and uh, it was good. Um, so there were you know that was surprising. I really, uh, but I really worry because Andre is older, thirty nine. Yes, he's been knocked out many times, and he's you know okay, he's thirty nine years old, but he's his. The, the 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 mileage mm-hmm. that he has on him, which comes to to our uh, Frank Edgar fight too, the mileage that this guy has is insane, and you know sometimes you have to know when when to hang up the gloves. And and while he did very well, and he looked really well trained, and and you know did you know I'm I'm worried about him. I'm worried about him. But you know he did well, so I don't think he'll ever run for the title. But um, you know, good for him. Good for him. We need more heavyweights to to step up. And, Absolutely, I mean yeah. he's not going to challenge for the title, like he said. No, but but, but be a gatekeeper, I guess. Yeah, yeah right. oh yeah, that's a good. He's a he's a mini boss. Right, right, exactly, yeah. a mini boss. Right. <laughs> no, but you know, there's a place for those guys. Like um, we talked about Cerrone, or you like as you like to say Cerrone. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about Cerrone, um, and I think Cerrone uh, is is always a mix. He's a gatekeeper for the top ten. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't beat Cerrone, you you you're never making to the title. You have to get through him. Yeah. And uh, uh, and there are many weight classes that have that, you know. Um, the Mackenzie Dern fight, she's of total respect, but maybe it was a little preliminary to bring her into the UFC. She won, uh, but Ashley Yoder is not her opponent. Is not a you know high level uh, 
she's good. She's good. She's solidly good. But uh, maybe he has to, you know, grow into her form a little more. And she gave Mackenzie Dern a lot of trouble, even though it seemed like she was extremely tentative. So uh, Dern has power in her hands for sure. But she's missing technique, and her chin is up in the air, which is really bad when you're not a good striker. Mm. And um, she also could not take Yoda down and hold her down. She just couldn't do it. And um, so she's got to have a lot to work on. And yeah. she, you know, you told me before the class that, that, that she she apologized if her performance wasn't good. I, I support her. I think she's fantastic. She's great for the sport. But um, if she's going to make it in the strawweight division, she has to really, really work on a takedown game. She reminds me of a, a like a, a, a old Damian Maya who had great jujitsu, um, terrible striking, and, ter- and not so great takedowns without mm-hmm. the gi. So he struggled until he fixed that. And even today, you know, obviously Damian Maya, tremendous fan of his, but he struggles uh, to make it to the to the title. Mm-hmm. You know, so she reminds me of that. Well, the, bit, the little bit little I know about her and just seeing her on like social media and interviews and stuff like that, she seems like the type that would go back into. Obviously, she's apologizing for not performing well, and she she won, but she sees that there's flaws in her game and in her uh, training camp, and she's got a, a lineage behind her. Of, Absolutely. Um, so I think she'll she'll go back and oh. figure out where to fill those gaps, and we'll see her again. Fan, absolutely right. Her yeah. father is um, Megaton Diaz, who is also a legend. Is that a nickname? Uh, that's a nickname because he okay. he's also a jiu-jitsu <laughs> black belt and a judo black belt. And they would say they would say when you get thrown by Megaton, it's like being having a Megaton, you know, atomic bomb yeah. being exploded on you. <laughs> that's what it feels like. And he's really small, so um, that he has that power in judo is great. Mm-hmm. But the thing about judo, and I, you know, I'm a judo man as well as many other martial. But in my heart of hearts, I love judo is that for certain types of judo fighters, depending on what style of judo you do, now by style, I mean obviously judo is judo, but there are different grips depending on what country and what team you play into. So if you, there's the, what we call the Korean grip, there's the Mongolian grip, there's the Russian grips, which are now f- primarily illegal, um, and the Japanese grips. And if you have these specific types of grips um, that are, it can make it much more difficult to transition to nogi. There's certain grips that are much more uh, more difficult to, to do without the uniform. Mm-hmm. And, um, Did she and, primarily fight in gi? Gi, yes, okay. yes. I mean, she fought no gi too, but she's a gi fighter, and she really used her gi. Uh, in her Invicta fight and her fights before that, uh, on the ground, she she looked very good. Um, she she did well. but um, And she did get some takedowns too. Uh, and she asked, actually, in her last fight, she knocked, not this one, but the, the one before she came to the UFC, she actually knocked a girl out with a punch. Um, because she does have power. She does have power. Unlike Ronda Rousey, who, I mean, I think she got lucky with um, with one where she knocked a girl out. But uh, generally, you know, Ronda didn't have so much power in her hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're and kind of similar. Mackenzie Dern's like, you know, another Ronda Rousey a little bit in that she comes from the grappling world and then she has to go into the MMA world. And she's, you know, she's a personality uh, much more respectful than Ronda Rousey's <laughs> outward personality. For now, although, although, you know, Ronda's a, a great person and, you know, she she has an outward personality. Mm-hmm. And I think the people in her inner circle know that, you know, she's also, you know, cares for, you know, not a bad Have person. Have you seen her on WrestleMania? I don't want to derail no, the No, no, no. But, but actually, actually, she just got her sixth degree uh, promoted to sixth degree black belt in judo, which is amazing, with her mother, too. Her mother got promoted as well. Um, and like Ronda Rousey, same thing comes from a lineage. You know, Ronda's mother is um, a judo legend mm. and uh, unbelievable. Uh, uh, who I've seen her personally de- demonstrate techniques, and she's fantastic. Um, well, I learned things from her. You know, uh, her mother. It's um, so, so funny. Like yeah. I, I, I don't like uh, Cormier. Yeah. 
and and you, you, we differ on that. And, yeah. and I really do not like Rousey. I, I I agree <laughs> with you. I don't like her outward personality, but again, it's sort of like Chelsea. Yeah. It's a it's a show. Although maybe you know, she is, by all intents and purposes, you know what people say. She's a very intense person. You know, mm-hmm. she's a very. Um, uh, the, the, you know, she just upped it a little bit for the performance aspect. And Holly yeah. Holm, yeah, 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 that yeah, connected. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I yeah. was cheering the loudest in the room. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, you know, I, I don't get into the drama so much. I love Ronda Rousey's armbars. She her armbars are just amazing, mm-hmm. and how she can put her judo throws together when she gets there. Uh, but she got involved. I think also she got involved in, and we comes back to what I want to talk about later is a bad network. She got involved in a group, a coach, and a, a surrounded by people who brought her down. Because when she got, when she first won her her first titles, she was with Jean LaBelle and Gogur Kavikian and some people who were really positive. Her mom, who were really good influences on her, and then she r- gravitated to different coach, the um, Edward Tavardian, and that that guy was just bad news. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, bad news, bad news attracts bad news, but like tra- uh, attracts like. And I think she was encouraged to to express certain parts of her personality that were not as positive. Where she'd been around other people, it would have been a little different. And so I agree with you. I, I don't disagree at, at all. You know, but at the same time, the drama is not so much what interests me. Is like, how can sure. you take? You know, that's where we really differ. <laughs> <laughs> but how can you take this person from this style and see how can they make their style work? Mm-hmm. And Mackenzie Dern will not be able to make her jiu-jitsu work. Without some adjustments, and and because she does come from the sport world, uh, but but from what I've seen, you know, I, I'm very happy. And you're like you said, she she's a worker. She's gonna be right back in the gym, trying to figure those, those holes out. And she's just starting, so you know, good for her. Um, on the other side, we have someone like Kat Zingano who fought Caitlin Vieira. Caitlin Vieira looked amazing, beautiful striking. Kat Zingano has to retire. Um, that's just it. Oh. She looked just terrible. Just terrible we talked again remember the podcast where we talked about cornea is kind of like clunky striking mm-hmm. well cat singana look like she shouldn't be there in the striking and that's no disrespect sometimes you get a little bit older a little stiff mm-hmm. injuries and um I like there's a lot of house cleaning in the the women's division yeah because a lot of people started without a long history like they opened it up they brought a whole bunch of people in um for sure that now they're cleaning house and they just had to had to make a division. So a lot of the people they took were not really that good. They just weren't that good, and uh, or they were really good in one element, but they weren't good in MMA overall. And um, and um, I'm not saying I'm not saying um, uh, uh, Katzingano was bad because actually she had some skill, but she looks really really in her last three fights. She looked really poor. Uh, and um, how old is she now? Uh, she's not She's not exactly young, right? Uh, I think she was in her 30, 35. Yeah, you know, um, it's showing. It's showing. And uh, she just, she looked terrible. And, you know, I, um, she has really good wrestling, um, but jiu-jitsu is, uh, and her striking, I always thought she, you know, I didn't follow her so closely, but I always thought that her striking was, kind of good this fight it was just terrible i mean something's going wrong and you know unfortunately um she uh, in her personal life has encountered some some terrible uh um tragedies her her husband um took her took his own life um uh and that's terrible so you know honestly i don't want to like put her down or anything like that but but 
the, the, objectively looking at her performances in the last two fights was not um, really anything. It wasn't good, mm-hmm. and um, and she's taking a lot of punishment, a lot of punishment, and um, she has to find a new trainer or you know a new way of training to plug those holes. Otherwise, she, you know, time to hang up the gloves or you know get cut. Probably the UFC is good about this. Is they cut the fighters that are not doing it, like cleaning house. And I agree with you. Like it's not safe to have them there. But probably she'd probably go off fight somewhere else. There's always Bellator, cat. Yeah, there's always Bellator. Yeah. And which brings me to. Um, I don't know if you saw. There was another another um, interesting fight. Um, it was uh, O'Malley and uh, Andre Sukumtat. And O'Malley is the new showboat. You know, we talked. Remember, we talked about Israel uh, Adesanya. Uh-huh. Uh, he this is he's kind of like that. He's crazy. He's he's unpredictable. He um, he is he is something else, man. The guy has a lot of knockout wins and he is just he's nuts and halfway through the fight he broke his leg this fight yep he uh, yeah or maybe not halfway through but at some point he broke his leg and um he kept fighting and he won the decision with a busted leg but he also um sukumtat is good he is a good traditional kind of thai trained you know you know like thai boxing or, or mma boxing whatever you want to call it but very very kind of very orthodox fighter. And I, by orthodox, I mean like right-handed, left-handed. I mean like, you know, traditional, this is jab, cross, hook, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, O'Malley was like switching stances and throwing this and throwing crazy kicks, you know, question mark kicks, this, that, boom, boom, just doing crazy stuff. And when you're a predictable fighter, even if you're really good, if I know what you're going to do, Matt, and you don't know what I'm going to do, obviously I have the advantage. <laughs> you know, if you're going to be like, I'm going to go by this playbook, and this playbook, everybody knows this playbook, this is the thing, Unpredictability is key, and we were talking about the Yo, Yo Romero oh, podcast. Man. Romero is not predictable, and that is a huge part of what he does. Uh, obviously, Sean O'Malley is not like Yo Romero, but he he doesn't throw the same thing over. He does he doesn't stay in right handed stance or left handed stance. He just switches stances ad hoc, and he's one of the few fighters that are as good righty as they are good lefty. He, he's pretty he's pretty good. Oh. I I actually you want to talk about someone who again. I don't like their in-ring antics or personality. Can't stand him. Mm. But at the end of the day, he is pretty good. And he earned his spot because, I don't know if you know, he went on that TV show that um, Dana White has, The Contenders. And, uh, you know, he, he he pulled himself up into the mix by his skill and his um, and his his gumption and his grit. And I respect that. I His, his in-ring person, persona is not my favorite, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Guy, a fight to watch, fighter to watch, fighter to watch. Of the night last night, uh, he did. No kidding, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, it was a barn burner. Let me tell you. And it, fighting with a broken leg, holy crap, you are a warrior, no question about that. Another similarity with Yoel Romero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like you, you know, you heart is amazing. And um, oh, speaking of judo throws, one thing I want to mention, you know, I meant to talk about this is like uh, Vieira, Caitlin Vieira. One of the reasons she was able to beat Katzingano was she put her into orbit with some beautiful judo. Mm-hmm. And I love to see really good clinch work. And like we talked about a few times that um, really the, the the melding of the arts and adjusting the arts to MMA is very important. And Caitlin has 
those judo throws and she's adjusted her grips to make her judo really, really work effectively. And and Katzengan is a wrestler, so it's not like she's easy to take down. And she put her into orbit and ba bum threw her and just opened up a can of whoop ass. <laughs> you know, like like it was it was just really good. I also heard she had uh, razor blades in her gloves. Did you hear that? I did not hear that. Yeah, Ariel Hawani said that. No, no for I'm real, just, for no, real. <laughs> I was like, what? I thought, no, <laughs> uh, yeah. Although, you know, I, I, um, totally interesting MMA fact, which I think we talked about a long time ago, but the very first televised mixed rules, so you, you, know, you can really call it MMA, but mixed rules, style versus style fight, was Milo Savage versus uh, Ronda's old coach, uh, um, uh, Gene LaBelle. Mm-hmm. And Milo Savage put brass knuckles underneath his boxing gloves. <laughs> so there you go, you know. You know, cheating cheating has always happened. Um, and there's a way to wrap people's hands and wet the wrap that it becomes like plaster. You know, it's big in boxing, too. They catch guys in boxing doing it all. So, you know, cheating is, is quite rampant still. Mm. Um, but so, uh, Caitlin was not. Caitlin, no, 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 no. Definitely. Beautiful. And then that brings us to Edgar versus Ortega. Oh, my God. I I really really like Brian Ortega. He's a jiu-jitsu man under the Gracies, under and Henry Gracie and and uh and Hedo and Gracie, the sons of Horian. He looked who, amazing. Amazing. And there have been problems with his striking. So if you know, maybe one of the first podcasts we we did, first second we were talking about him and he won the fight. Um can you click on him for a yeah. second? We he won his fight, but I I forget exactly who it was, but he his striking um yeah, it was uh, no, no, it no, it was uh, it was um, it was Mike it was one of the first ones. Um, Tiago Tavares, maybe like or something like that. Diego Brandao, one of one of those. Yeah, someone. Oh no, um, I forgot what it was, but he he um, he didn't look that great in in his striking. Like he took a lot of punishment, and he wasn't um, he wasn't so slick. It wasn't bad, but he he had problems. Man, it was like watching Ali. Mm-hmm. You know, he just looked great. And one of the things you saw the fight, right? One mm-hmm. of the things was that his uh, uh, his way he saw the range was perfect. So obviously, he had a little bit of reach advantage, which helps. But every single time that Frankie Edgar threw a punch, it missed by half an inch. <laughs> Not even half an inch, maybe th- one quarter of an inch. It just missed. So he's here. And there's a Japanese word for calmness that is really part of the, the Japanese martial ethos. It's called fudoshin. It means immovable heart. What is, what is immovable heart? It means what you're, you, the, 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 you know, there's, you're on the battlefield. There's chaos everywhere. There's you know, enemy coming at you, and you have the zen calm. You have the ice stare. And you're like, you know, I got this. And he had that. He had that thing. And his eyes are kind of, if you notice, his eyes are kind of like this. He's like yeah. a little half closed. He's like, I got this. I got this. Just and his confidence. poise. Yeah, yeah. His, his poise. And it wasn't arrogance. It was poise. This guy, I saw that. And I'm like, wow, that is it. That is it right there. He's not arrogant. Mm-hmm. He, I love what he always has to say after his fights. He's never like, yeah, I'm the man, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he impresses me with his attitude, his work ethic, and his, you could tell he just came back so much better, and he, you know, you could put him in a boxing match, and he would just look great. And he, he didn't even have to, um, you know, go to his jujitsu. Um, though, 
knocking out Frankie Edgar is not as amazing <laughs> as it sounds. One of the reasons is Edgar has fought with his chin almost his entire career. Mm. And um, your chin, it's sort of like a bank. And you put money in the bank. And every time you get knocked out, you've made a withdrawal. You've made a withdrawal. And he's had two fights with Gray Maynard, one fight with BJ Penn, and another one, I even remember the other one, was a, where he basically was knocked out in the first round, knocked out, and kept fighting until he won. And he said in the interview, I remember him saying that, like, I don't even remember what happened because I've been unconscious the whole time. And, and he is a warrior. He is a warrior. But he's a person who fights with his attribute, which is his ability to take punches, versus technical you know, technical excellence. He gets in there and gets the job done however he has to. And you have to respect that. But at the same time, that is a flawed strategy. And he's a little bit older. And that he's withdrawn from that bank account many times. Mm -hmm. Many times. Almost every single fight where he just gets rocked. And he's like, no, I'm here. I'm coming back. I'm a warrior. He gets rocked. He comes back. And then he wins the decision. You know, or whatever. But... um that account is near and zero, mm. and uh, that's a problem. So, you know, he got hit with that elbow. That elbow. Man. Oh, my God, that elbow was just amazing. I felt it. Yeah, and then the uppercut, that's what really, because it was like, you know, the, the one of the ways to induce a concussion is not just with one hit, but hits in different directions. Your brain sloshing around. Right, right, because, you know, basically what a concussion is is your, your head, your brain playing pinball in the, you know, bing, bing, bing in the brain case. So he got hit with the elbow here, boom. He hit the elbow, his brain is going this way. And then just after he got hit with the uppercut, and then it goes this way, upwards. And you could just tell it was it was doing a little bit of a, you know, pinball game inside his head, and it was over. Mm. I hope he's okay, um, but I think he has to reevaluate how he, how he, how he approaches um, his striking in as he getting he's getting older and to make sure that he doesn't take so much damage um but uh not a big fan of frank edgar because it, it, to me it was always i would always say this not a fan because his fighting style is toughness first technique second and not that he's bad but he he uses his chin and that is not uh, can't not, sustain that. Can't sustain it, right? Yeah. Can't sustain it. It's not martial arts either. It's toughness. You don't train toughness. Yeah. Now, if you are a fan of watching MMA as a sport, great. But if you want to see MMA as a way to approach, a scientific way to approach self-preservation, he is not a good model, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. In some ways. you know, Not to disrespect him. He's, he's a good fighter. But you know, you know what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. It's not to be disrespectful. Did you have any um, hesitation for Ortega winning? You know, I, I've seen him grow so much, especially in the Cub-Swanson fight. Cub, you know, could not touch him. And um, I'm like, this guy is getting better every single fight. And he's 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 seasoning every time he comes back better and better and better. And I said, this is going to be a hard fight for him, but it was not. Yeah. <laughs> it was not even. I thought, oh, he'll probably win, but it's going to be a hard fight for him. And it wasn't even You that. thought it would go all the way? No, you know, I didn't know. I thought, you know, the good chance of it's hard to finish Frankie and it's, he's hard to submit. Um, so I had a sense it might go all the way, but I also was thinking, hmm, Frankie Edgar has not looked as good as he had been before. And he's been almost caught in a number of submissions and Ortega's so tight with his submissions. Mm -hmm. I was like, I could, I could see it happening. I did not foresee Ortega knocking him out. I didn't. I didn't foresee no. it. And, but I'm 
really impressed the way he did it. Fantastic. And what that is is you could just see this kid is a martial artist. Forget about winning or anything like that. He's dedicated to self-perfection. I love that. I love that about him. And that's something we all as martial artists can look at. Like, hey, get back in the gym and make sure you are 10%, 20%, or even whatever, 1% better every day. He's dedicated to his craft. And that is just inspiring, inspiring. You know, mm-hmm. love the kid. You know, versus certain fighters, which you shall be nameless. You see them fight, you know, <laughs> today, and you see them fight 20 years ago, and you're like, ah, it's the same fighter. This is exactly the same. You know, like Daniel Rampage. Cormier. You know, I'm Dan- just messing, <laughs> I'm just <busting laughs> No, but, you know, Rampage Jackson. You see Rampage fight, you know, in, in, yeah. in Bellator. I didn't see it. I did not see it. But, you know, from what – you see him fight five years ago, five, five, ten years ago. Ah, that's, that's Rampage. Whatever. <laughs> you know, that's it. Whatever. No surprises there. <laughs> no surprise. You know exactly what he's going to do. What's, uh, what's Ortega's next move? Are they going to give him a, a shot? Or they have them go through the, the gauntlet a little, little bit more? I think it's a little early first. I think she's going to need one one or two more fights. No, I, mean, I, probably, think, yeah. I do think it's early, but I yeah, think yeah. Dana White Oh, no, 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 because no, he's, he's got the buzz. Yeah, yeah. no. Um, is Will Dana White give him a title shot? Well, you know, they have the the um, that whole, like, triumvirate of who's going to fight who and this and that, and that has to be resolved. So it's at 145, right? He's 145, right? Other way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, is Connor coming back or he's not? He's going to fight at 155 or 45 or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they have to get that uh, settled um, and see if he's going to fight Max or if Max is going to fight that. But when they get settled, I could totally see him there. Um, however, I think they should give him, like, one or two more fights to to, to just to um, to season even a little bit more. You know, I hope they do. Yeah, 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 me too. Don't burn him out too. Quick. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Don't burn him out. Let him, let him evolve a little bit more and, and learn get, some more. Get around people and get comfortable. And, yeah, you know. But you know, talk about um, talk about a a great network. He surrounds himself with the right people and has since he's been twelve. You know, he's been a student of Henry Gracie, who is you know by all intents, uh, by, by by what people say, is a phenomenal coach. And and I, I follow some of his Gracie breakdowns. And he always has something fascinating, interesting, interesting to say. And he's part of that um, that Gracie Academy network, great network to, to, to be in and to be part of. And has also yeah. looked outside and in, in, and, 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 and added to his skill set. You mm-hmm. know, found those people. The boxing his boxing coach is great. That's good. And, and found people to, to add and, 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 and evolve him and surround himself with the right people. Mm-hmm. And, so, and he's not arrogant. He's a hard worker. He he um, he's gonna do great. Mm, great. And I love the guy. It's nice to see a jiu-jitsu guy, you know, really know how to strike. And you know, you don't talk about it, but his takedowns are pretty freaking great too. So he's not just a, a one-trick pony. And and that was a big criticism of Ronda Rousey that you know, okay, great armbar, but you know, she has no striking. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy obviously has striking, and he has takedowns, and of course, vicious, vicious submission game. Great, uh, great fighter, and nice to see mm-hmm. in all the ranges he's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to Chris Cyborg, um, who doesn't really have to evolve because <laughs> she's at the next <laughs> everything, everything she does is right. No, actually, she did, she did, you know, and she did an interesting thing. So, uh, couldn't Scott almost beat her? You saw that, you almost beat her. Um, got took her back, yeah, took her down, took her put down, on her, yeah. yeah. And she was unleashing ground and pat. And what Cyborg did, she did a defensive punching on the ground using her shin. In my academy, we call it a half shin spider, but it's basically using your shins to create a frame to protect yourself from strikes. And you know, she ate no strikes on her back. That is a great guard. 
Mm. Great guard. And so you're guarding yourself. You're guard. You know, people wonder, the guard, you know what the guard is, you know, the wrapping the legs mm -hmm. around. Why is the guard called the guard? It's called the guard so you guard yourself from punches. <laughs> it's not for all those jiu-jitsu guys out there. It's not called the guard to stop the guy from passing. It's not. You don't, then it would be called the position to stop the guy from passing you. It's called the guard. The same thing you call it in boxing is to protect yourself from strikes because the origin of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu was to protect yourself from assault. People who are assaulting you are not looking to put a barambola on you for those crazy, you know, for the jiu-jitsu guys out there. You don't even know about barambola is this crazy like spinning move, right? Whatever. And um, so it's to guard you. And she did something that a lot of jiu-jitsu fighters are unable to do. On their back, look phenomenal, guard herself, counterattack. And then she stood up because she felt she had the uh, ability to, to win in standing. And she did. She did get her back taken. And she had a couple, couple places where she was, she was um, a little bit in trouble. But she has so much experience. And, you know, while we look at her and say she's a striker, she showed great jiu-jitsu defense. Like I said, great striking defense on the ground, which is still jiu-jitsu, but, you know, not considered jiu-jitsu, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. And great uh, um, uh, cage fighting. And then she was able to just, you know, do her thing. And she did. And, um, you know, I don't think there's anybody out there who can, who can take her. Uh, right now, and she she definitely has evolved. She has evolved, and she has not lost since. Hold on, let me let me see if I can do it by memory. She has not lost since two thousand five. Is it? Yeah. 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 Is that right? Erica Pays. Pays. Yeah. Yeah. That was the last time she lost. Two thousand five. Scroll. Scroll. Yeah. Thirteen years of activity and fighting. Obviously she was in suspension for the drug testing and all that. Mm -hmm. But um but she also fought like we we didn't really think about the women's MMA for many years. But you see that girl right there we we were looking at her record. She fought a girl named uh Marlois Cohen who was uh uh um in Invicta and Marlois Cohen was actually a phenomenal fighter. She's just phenomenal fighter. She Carl, um uh, uh Cyborg has always been in there fighting the best of the women's uh, MMA um Seen and uh, you know, is she fought? I remember she fought uh, some Japanese fighters who were really good at the time. Um, you know, just uh, uh, have to have to respect um, Cyborg. Yeah, I have to respect her. Um, she is she's a great fighter, and of course, it's unfortunate that it's clouded by her positive drug tests. So, like John Jones, uh, you're wondering: is it the chemical or is it her skill? And that's a shame because if she had been clean the whole time and had done this, we would have, you know, been putting her up as the greatest of all time in the women's division. Yeah, definitely. And um, because she tarnishes her legacy with all these positive drug tests, then it's it's uh, it's a shame that she doesn't get the recognition she deserves. And technically, she's she's very good. Um, unfortunately, a victim of a lot of slander because you know she looks a little bit more masculine than some of the other fighters. And she also genetically has a lot of advantages. Her body type, her frame is very um, athletic and more athletic than a lot of women fighters you, you see out there. And so she was able to put on that fast twitch muscle, the mm -hmm. speed, the power, and become a phenomenal striker. But it's not just genetic. It's also her, her hard work and her dedication to craft. You know, you don't win for 13 years straight unless you're doing something right. You know, mm -hmm. it's a pretty amazing person, you know, um, pretty amazing, though. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, like if you looked at her like 15 years ago, I wouldn't have said that, you know, like she, she evolved, you know, she got better. So that was that was the card. It was really interesting card. Um, 
I was I was very entertained, and uh, they had some good good uh, undercards too. Um, uh, yeah, it was it was a great card and great night and a great um, show of a lot of different styles of fighting. But the the for me was interesting is how much uh, clinch takedowns are are the go to move like Stipe, like um, when he fought Nagano, like. Uh, uh, What's his name when he fought Mark Hunt? Um, we just were talking about it before uh, a couple weeks ago. But, you know, get in there. Yeah, yeah. Get in there. Take him down. Uh, um, the – not Derek Brunson. No. Um, well, I know. I got to know. Yeah, I know. It's um, – You're going to remember uh, as soon as I bring it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's – yeah. Shoot. <laughs> Uh, the wrestler, uh, Blades, Blades. Oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. I was Curtis almost there. Blades. Yeah, Blades, and um, and uh, you know, he just took him down. Outside trip, outside trip. But people rediscovering MMA one hundred and one. MMA, you looked at, watched NHB or MMA in, in the two nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety five. You'd see either a double leg, a single leg, or an outside trip, and people are like, oh right, outside trip, simple day one technique. Just the last three UFCs. Outside trip, outside trip, outside trip. Simple, effective, boom, done. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, people rediscovering that the basics are what it's about. And um, and that's kind of cool to see. You know, you have to be able to take the guy down efficiently. And um, people kind of forgot. They think they were like thinking, oh, I have to do these big takedowns or this or that. Uh, clinch up, trip his leg, boom. That's done. not entertaining, though. We want to sell tickets, right? <laughs> no, I have uh, – I'm – Kind of moving the conversation back a little mm-hmm. bit about uh, Chris Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of related, but not really related. Um, I know there was a fighter a couple of years ago that was a transgender fighter. Fallon Fox. What's your opinion on that? You know, I was just talking about this with my students. And there's also a wrestler right now. Um, I forgot um, the name of the wrestler. but um, And I don't know the exact details. I believe he is a he, he uh, transitioned to ma- the male gender. And, but was originally the female gender. But the athletic commission, the wrestling commission, was making him fight as a female, even though he does not want to. And uh, Fallon Fox is uh, a male who transitioned to female. Um, and um, I don't have an answer for this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it, we're we're in a in a world where we we are defining gender in different ways. But gender itself is a construct. It's not a biological given. There's you know. All sorts of things going on in in, in terms of um, how you were born and 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 uh, you can have two two sexual organs or whatever. But I'm not a, <laughs> not a doctor. But but gender is primarily a, a physical contract. But of course, a, a, a social contract. But of course, if you grow up with a tremendous amount of testosterone circulating through your body till your puberty, and then you transition, as as you looked at Fallon Fox, you could say that she was very 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 strong. Now, she did lose to a woman, though. Um, she had a fight, and she lost in her division. But um, when you're dealing with uh, someone who could be significantly more powerful than you, you have to say, how much brain trauma are you inflicting on this opponent, win or lose, because you're dealing with what possibly could be like a different weight class. Now, look, we were talking about the Olympics the other day. Let's take away from fighting. But I was watching the snowboarding, and you watch the male and the female divisions, and the, the half-pipe you know, doing 360s and mm-hmm. things like that. And there's a huge difference between the two genders. And that is something that we cannot deny. 
you know, we want to be politically correct. We want to say this, but there is, there, there is people who are 100% genetically male and 100% genetically female are going to be different and they're going to have more muscle mass if you're a male, generally speaking. And, um, you're just going to be more powerful and be able to do more powerful things. So, which is why, you know, the heavyweight um, um, Gabby Garcia, who's a huge, huge person, fought the same weight class of her male counterpart. If she did, she would not do well. And that's actually happened in a in a kickboxing match. There was a, a famous female kickboxer mm-hmm. who fought uh, a man, a male in a, under I believe Thai rules, and you know the Thai just beat the snot out of her you know mm-hmm. like and it, it was just it wasn't even fair and uh so when you're dealing with these transgender issues i i don't have an answer i really don't i yeah. i think what we would have to do is have some objective measurements of muscle mass and bone density yeah regardless of quote-unquote gender if you're you transition to female but your bone density is 25 percent more uh, dense but we're higher than than uh, their average, a certain level that was average of female. Then you would compete in the male division, yeah. or 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 maybe make a make a third division. You know, like why not? Like, um, you know, make a division for these people who want to pursue their their goals and their dreams in in that way. Yeah. Just like you know, we have um, uh, the para, Paralympics, yeah. and then we have the regular Olympics. Yeah. Why not? Why not have uh, and and the Paralympics? I don't know if you watch it. They're really cool. Yeah. Like these guys Very are amazing, high, high level amazing athletes doing their thing. But they're in the thing and competing on an even playing board. And that's what we all want. You know, mm-hmm. nobody wants discrimination. We want it to be an even playing board. And I think it's sometimes we, we have to, you know, I, I support transgendered rights and LGBTQ rights and all that. But at the same time, you can't deny if someone has a significant amount, amount more of bone, bone density or um, muscle density or something like that or whatever they, they're going to be able to inflict more damage. And honestly, in the half-pipe sport in Olympics, who cares? Because at the end of the day, you you do a jump, you spin around, you fall down. But in MMA or any combat sport, you're dealing with the potential to significantly injure someone. Life or death. Like, yeah, right. No, I mean, some people have died in the ring. Okay. So, uh, And also fighter safety. We were talking about that before. Fighter safety. We don't want to have a blood sport. We want to have this, this... This thing that has people fight on the... What's why we test for steroids? Because we want to have it an uh, even playing field. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, if you're if you're against fighters using steroids, well, what does steroids give you? It gives you an unfair advantage. So the same thing with you know other situations as well. But at the same time, we have to understand that we are um, a society that's growing and, and, and accepting the rights of... of, um, of LGBTQ, alternative lifestyle people, and have to give them a place at the table as well. And and that's important too, you know, in the fight world, in any world, you know, mm-hmm. that we can all as people be accepted for who we are. Um, so I, I don't really have an answer, you know. Uh, it's, it's a great question. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a, in the back of my head, I have a, a history, and I'm not sure if I'm remembering history incorrectly or not, but... Um, was there a time in like the eighties, you know, where Russia was having their athletes 
Oh, yeah. Like gender transfer? Or? No, no. You're thinking of the German swim team. Okay. So what happened was, um, and I'm not an expert on this. We should have Jilson. Jilson knows everything there is to know about uh, <laughs> performance enhancing drugs there is because obviously he's a, sure. a, tra- a training professional, and he knows um, the unbelievable amount on this. But the, the German swim team was steroided to the gills, and this is in the— was it the Munich Olympics or the I forget which one? It was in the seventies, mm. but they were just hyped up to the gills of growth hormone, testosterone, everything, and they walked onto the field and they're like, "Who are these giants?" And they just destroyed America. Mm-hmm. They were later under I believe it was overturned, and the medal went back to the Americans for some whatever reason. But almost all those women were so scarred by the massive amounts of testosterone and hormones and things that put in their body that they ceased to be female and some opted for uh, for uh, transgendered surgery mm. to live their life as men as I understand it because they they had so been um, abused by this these chemical processes that they they were no longer women they didn't have periods they did their their ovaries they, they didn't have those anymore because obviously the hormonal functions of your body change I mean the the, the, the physical organs of your body change when you do, when you put certain hormones in them, that's what controls that. Yeah. And if you're putting hormones that shouldn't be there, your organs will change. That's a fact. So, um, yeah, that's it's a sad story. And I know many far. of them, many of them committed suicide and you know oh, terrible, wow. terrible things. I happen to know people who uh, were raised as athletes in the former Soviet Union and also in Europe. And one of them went to the Olympics. I won't say his name, but he went to the Olympics and. Um, he was uh, told, here are vitamins. You will take these every day. You will take this at this time of day, and then these are your vitamins, and you will just take them. And if you don't take them, you are not on the team. And he's like, vitamins. Okay, then. <laughs> and then suddenly he put on 25 pounds of muscle, yeah. which is humanly impossible, you know, like within six Where do months. I get these vitamins? Yeah, vitamins. Vitamin of vitamin. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like it was a choice. And that's what happens when we um, prioritize Athletic achievement. And, you know, the Olympics are kind of cool in some way because we get human achievement and all that. But at the end, of the day, there's also a dark side in that it's like America or like, you know, you know, the Soviet Union goes, yes, we we beat you, you capitalist American. You know, there's, there's a strong nationalist element oh, yeah. of always there. And and like in the Munich Olympics, the ancient, you know, the old ones in World War II, where it was a big shock to Hitler when the, uh, I believe it was Jesse Owens. Jesse Owens yeah. yeah, won. And that was amazing. Uh, and it was, uh, or when the, um, there's always a kind of, you know, Olympics as a platform of politics, and it's not purely sport uh, for f- sport's sake. It, it has, you know, we, we're in a cold war and we want our team to crush the Russians or something like that. And uh, so it becomes less about pure sport and more about, how do we dominate the other? Yeah. And to do that, we're willing to cheat. And of course, Russia was taken out of oh, the Olympics of uh, because of their massive it's doping. An amazing scandal. story, but yeah. that's another that's another show. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Being raised and watching the Olympics as a child and growing up in the you know the nineties and patriotic and all that so with the Gulf War and everything. Yeah. Every time I look at the Olympics, all I do is look at how many medals do we got? How many right, medals always. does the United States have? That's all I care about. We have more than China. We have more than Russia. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Although this year I think we got our, our we got over we lost overall I think I have no idea I don't even I, know the and, and the problem was you know uh, Chloe Kim I believe her name was Kardashian no the oh. the snowboarder okay Matt 
<laughs> I'm disappointed in you, Matt. <laughs> the snowboarder, you know, she's she's a, she's Korean American. She's you know raised here. Mm-hmm. I believe she was born here too. Yeah. She's, um, but she decided because of her heritage, she had the American flag as well as the Korean flag on her apparel. I don't know if when she was actually skiing, but she she supports both her heritage and her country of birth. Uh, you know, country this America, mm-hmm. but it also supports her heritage, and a lot of like right wing Americans were really like, ah, "Can you do that?" Bah, bah, bah. You know, you're American yeah. or you're not, or you're, <laughs> and, and to them, she's not because of course she's Asian, you know, so they're racist. But mm. but it's a problem. Like, how do you define your patriotism within and your heritage and and respect that and and be part of be part of that? Eh, I don't know. You know, I don't know the answer. You know, but blind patriotism is not my bag. No. And and we have to respect that people are complex human beings and they belong to different social groups, social networks. So she's simultaneously an American. She's simultaneously a Korean American. She's also simultaneously a college student, a snowboarder. And all these circles of her identity overlap as like a Venn diagram. Mm-hmm. And we're all those people. We, we are a people of multiple facets. And to, to deny, you know, one facet over another um, – is denying the person, and so when we when we get into Manichaean definitions of good bad, or you know like America versus Russia or whatever, it it uh, it's kind of silly and yeah. you know infantile and and also uh, unhealthy for us as human beings. You know, well, she better stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I tell you what, that's my southern accent. <laughs> No kneeling that. like Colin Kaepernick. No, we, don't, uh, we, yeah. we don't believe that. Yeah. Um, all right. And uh, going on a little bit darker with the with the transgender athletes, do you think there would be anybody that if there was like a, um, a precedent where they were allowed to participate in um, professional sports at any level, would anybody uh, abuse that? Could you see uh, like a, 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 a male trans taking the transition to female to perform in his view or her view as a higher level athlete? You know, I, I don't know. And th- I'm not really qualified to answer this. So, um, but I would say... Would hope not. I would say that they're always going to be cheaters yeah. for every other cheaters now. And always people are going to play past the rules. Um, and when we're dealing with these issues, I, I like to take it away from the gender definitions and just talk about, you know, what's coursing through your body. You know, um, are there people today cheating with steroids yes are there te- people cheating today with uh, erythropoietin which is not steroids but it is a performance answer what Lance Hendricks used blood doping where you take out also your blood get an extra amount of plasma put it back in are there people cheating like that yes are there people cheating uh, like in this last UFC where you punch a guy after the bell I don't know if you saw that fight no. so it was Hector Lombard versus CB Dalloway the bell rang and he snuck an extra punch in and it seemed don't know what was in his head, but it seemed very, very intentional, mm-hmm. very intentional. And he gave him a concussion after the bell. Are there people that are going to be dirty and cheat? Always. And uh, what we're going to come ahead uh, forward is I believe that we're approaching the era of genetic cheat cheating, where you know we um, we're developing these abilities to change our genetic construct, meaning go back, go into the cells. So our muscle cells inject a, a, um, a CRISPR virus. You know, CRISPR is this thing that they invented where you can change, um, you, you know, you, you change the virus. It goes in. It, it, uh, it has its program to, it, to it go right to the cell's DNA and change it and add in another DNA strand. So this is the technology of gene manipulation. And it's, it's, it's so simple right now. There's a guy on YouTube who 
CRISPR'd himself to gain more muscle. And he says he did it. Like, he's just a regular dude. So he did the CRISPR process at home in his basement and, you know, and, and added, like, you know, 10 pounds of muscle. So it's not steroids. And it's indetectable unless you do some sort of genetic oh test, which God. is indetectable. So we're in this era where people are going to be cheating like that. So is, is, are people going to abuse any way they can? There will always be cheaters and there will always be fair fighters. And um, I think um, I don't even know what to do about it, right? I, I don't have these answers, you know. Uh, and, and with the, the LGBTQ question in terms of transgendered individuals, I am not qualified to answer this. But I would like to say that we can't use these excuses to discriminate. There has to be a place right. at the table for every human being to um, follow their bliss and um, achieve uh, uh, and, 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 and have some, some, some acceptance. Like, you know, one of the, the we were talking about Black Panther in the last movie. You know, this is inclusion is so wonderful. It's such a wonderful thing to have a movie where you're seeing positive role models of yourself and, and things like that. And the same thing for transgendered people or whatever. It, there has to be an acceptance of these things, and maybe we'll have listeners who don't agree with that. But you know, I believe we're all people in the end, and we all have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if it, doing MMA makes you happy, let's try and make a, a a seat at the table for you, with certain exceptions. Because I don't know, you know, there was the Down syndrome fighter. You know, he's has Down syndrome, and he trains, and he um, wanted to do an MMA match, and they did, but. He put him up against someone who coasted him. And, you know, mm -hmm. didn't I kind of give him a good experience? Sure. But if there would be, I guarantee there's a promoter somewhere that would be like, hey, I'll put you up against a real fight. And I don't care if you die because who cares? I make money. And so at the same time, you have the business there where you want to give everybody a seat at the table and feel their ability to achieve. But we also have to recognize realities of anatomy, biology, and and um, physical ability, you are not going to put a person completely unprepared, unprepared to fight John Jones. You will die. You are not going to have open weight classes now without with time limits because it's just it. You know, uh, Demetrius Johnson versus Daniel Cormier with no with time limits is not fair. That's <laughs> just a fact. You know, it's just it's, there's a physical difference between Daniel Cormier and Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius mm -hmm. Johnson, for those you know, one twenty five pound you know champion. It, it is it is, or or or, or have him fight um, Brock Lesnar. Demetrius Johnson versus Brock Lesnar. <laughs> oh, you know, there's actually a very fun. There's a very I know right. See, that's a, that's a problem too because as as fans, I'm we love David Goliath. The old Pride days, yeah. they had Hoist Gracie versus you know, um, uh, the sumo fighter Akibono. And, you know, Hoist gave up, like, what, 200 pounds or something like that. However, you can fight out of your weight class, but you have to adjust the rules. So I could see Demetrius Johnson and Daniel Cormier, no time limit, and then he could play a strategy that maybe an hour make D Daniel Cormier get tired and tired and tired, like Elio Grace used to do, and then that could happen. But when you're dealing with five, three five-minute rounds, this is just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, But, you know, in those three five-minute rounds... Daniel Cormier is is gonna crush um, Demetrius Johnson. He if if they fight on that paradigm, right? So uh, and there's a, there's a really interesting interesting video of of, of uh, Overeem, you know Overeem, mm -hmm. and John Dodson who just fought, and John Dodson you know is 125 pounder. Overeem is you know what 250 something like that, and uh, Overeem is standing next to John Dodson because they're the same team, Jackson Wink, right? And um, Dodson looks like a 
baby, not a child. He looks like a baby, like like a toddler compared to over him. You're like, if these two people fight, this is not fair. And and especially in striking, striking size and weight matter. If you gave me time to use my jiu-jitsu technique and fought, fought the old Elliot way, where you give me unlimited time, and I can fight that Fabian strategy we talked about, where it's like, you know, block, protect myself, protect myself, protect myself, let you get tired, let you wear down. Don't engage in your strength. Let you wear down. Okay, after an hour, now you're exhausted. Boom, I go in for the kill. That's something you can do, but unless you have the time to do that, you can't, and you have to fight that certain way that you know Ellie used to fight. Yeah. If you don't have that ability, um, you're gonna get, and you fight, you know, stand in front of Valentin, you know, Overeem, and I'm gonna punch you, you punch me, I feel nothing. Because oh I'm over you and then I punch you and you die you know yeah. <laughs> you know there, there's a there's a this comes back to what we were talking about um, last week is that there there are certain biological realities and sometimes it's not politically correct to say it but if you are a hundred and five pound girl and you are assaulted by a two hundred and twenty pound predator you have no chance to outstrike that person unless you are the highest 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 level of Thai boxer or boxer and you got freaking lucky. Mm-hmm. So the statistical chance that you can defend a 100-pound person with striking is almost negligible. That is a fact. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if, they, if they have any sense of combat. Now, if you do grappling where you can use utilize leverage and position and, and that, and he doesn't know grappling, then you have a chance. But size matters. Yeah. Anybody says size doesn't matter, it, that's crazy. So, you know, when you're dealing with steroids or you're dealing with transgender issues or you're dealing with weight classes, it's the same thing. There are certain biological constants that we must accept and believe them. And some people, you know, and I'm a leftist, I'm a very liberal guy, but some people, you know, think there's a sense of equality. And there's a book out, it was, um, I was just listening to an interview about the author, and he says, yes, we want equality, we want everybody to have a seat at the table, but at the same time, there are certain fundamental realities that we have to respect. And I used to, I had a teacher in eighth grade, and she was a really, 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 really strong feminist. And she was a wonderful teacher, she was a wonderful person. But I remember talking to her just about martial arts because it came up that I was doing martial arts. And this woman has never studied martial arts in her life. She's an old lady, right? She's a great person, though. Right? I don't want to talk bad about her, right? She's a nice person. But you're so indoctrinated into her, her feminist um, understanding of the world, which is great. And to me, feminism is about women getting a place at the table and not having to deal with the Harvey Weinstein, this and that. But, you know, when I, I said to her, she's like, we're talking about athletics. And she's like, no, if women are equally trained, they can beat any man anytime. And I'm like, no, that's not true. She's like, you're a racist or you're, you're, you're sexist. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to get a C in this class, so I'll shut up now. Uh, <laughs> you know, And that's not right. That You cannot have that. And that's some people on the right wing have a real problem with that where we shut down their conversation because they call them a racist or sexist or whatever. But there's certain things that we need to discuss. When we're talking about LGBTQ in, 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 in performing in, 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 uh, in sports or we're talking about... Um, Whatever issue, let's let's you know, man first fighting woman. There, there. Let's be real here. There, there are concrete anatomical differences mm-hmm. if you've grown up a certain way. And we're not talking about racism. We're not talking about sexism. We're not talking about bigotry. We're talking about let's understand this. And if we try to find a way that we can all fight on an equal playing field, which is why we have weight classes, why we have gender divisions, that's why we do it, right? And yeah. um, 
and uh, but um, shutting down the conversation uh, is not. And I think that's sort of where we are right now politically is that we find the other side so odious sometimes that we don't want to talk with them. But if we don't find that common ground, how do we come together as a people? You know, um, and that's where martial arts is intersects with the regular world. You know, we we don't live in this vacuum. Um, how do we confront these issues, and and, uh, and 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 work out some some viable alternative? You know, wow. but um, what I'm interested in is less the LGBTQ issue, uh, but more like how you talk about cheating. How are people going to cheat going forward? Because having that fair playing field is important. And right now it's steroids and, and erythropoietin and blood doping. God, it's we're very close to it being something even less detectable, you know. Um, and you know the uh, uh, the simple things, you know, they they banned the use of IVs to rehydrate. So if you if you're cutting weight, Matt, right? You cut weight, you go on the scale. Then right after you get off the scale, what they used to do was give you an IV and hydrate you right up, right, so that you can. You can hydrate quicker and recover that body mass and the water that you lost in the weight cut. Makes perfect sense. Right. But they they said if you use the IV, you will be in in um, uh, in violation of USADA uh, doping, doping protocols because there's so many um, uh, doping protocols that they cannot test for. But what the USADA can test for is the chemical in the IV hose. So the IV hose, you know, from the bot from the, the squeeze bag to your mm-hmm. to the needle to your arm, the IV hose is made up of a certain type of rubber. And if you use that hose, it will show up in your test. So they can't test for what you're cheating with, but they can test for you using an IV, which you need to cheat with. So they said we have to ban the IVs. Oh. Right, which is why they banned it, right? Because they said you could, you could, you could hydrate, but you could blood dope, but they can't test for blood. You know, blood dope. We just talked about that. Mm-hmm. Like you add your own more blood cells, but they can't test for that because they're your own blood cells. So what do you do? You test for the IV bag. So you can't use any IV. Bags. You cannot. You cannot use IV bags within a certain type of time frame of the test. And if you are, you, you're in violation of USADA protocols because they were already at the point where there are certain things you cannot test for, or you can hide. You know very easily, and but you can't hide the IV bag chemical because it'll stay in your system for some reason. I'm not an expert. That's say, weird. But, yeah, uh, but the rubber itself, you yeah. know, bleeds off onto the a little sure. bit onto the onto the, the solution, right? Yeah. What point did we have just like robots fighting each other or video games or something like? No, the, we we said we we talked about that a real steel and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, the, the new UFC fighting game looks really like if you walk past it and you see somebody playing it, you might be like, is that real? I, I you know I don't play video games, so I don't know. Well, trust me. But but, really but <laughs> I just saw a commercial on TV for the VR headset. Yeah. And this is something I remember in 1982 I started reading Neuromancer which was the the cy- cyberpunk movie yeah. and you enter the the Gibson. you know the the, the 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 cyberspace world with the VR headset and now you know science is, science fiction is becoming reality and it's it's exciting and at the same time very very scary how do we um Use these technologies for our benefit, but at the same time, moderate the the negative consequences of them. Like, I, I, um, you can point to so many innovations that were great in one sense and terrible in another, or you know, whatever. So one of one of the the interesting ones is um, the um, 
oh, you know, I can't speak chemically on it, but the person who discovered um, how to sequester uh, nitrogen uh, to have more crops, he's German, that's also the process of creating um, poison gas. So if it weren't for this guy, we'd all be dead because we wouldn't be able to feed ourselves because our agricultural revolution in the 20th century depended on this uh, person understanding how to sequester nitrogen to have fertilizer. But the same process was uh, instrumental in creating um, uh, um, poison gas and one of the worst weapons humanity's ever created. Mm -hmm. So every technological innovation we have can be utilized in a, in a darker sense. Um, steroids are great for people um, recovering from cancer to re recreate re recreate the, the muscles that they uh, that they lost the, from atrophy, and it's a it's a medical treatment. It's wonderful if you need it, but then again, it's abused on another side. Um, how do we how do we how do we deal with these technologies? I don't know. I don't have the answer. It's it's a fascinating thing, and and and. We're talking about the MMA as a sport, which in, in and of itself is not something I'm as interested in as MMA as a paradigm for self-defense. But you're talking about first eating eating better. We you know eating better than people 100 years ago, so we're fitter, we're stronger. Okay, then we do protein powder. Okay, is that legal? Um, I guess so. But then we, we put on and more scientific weight training. Okay, that seems like it's good. Well, okay, well, how about these chemicals? Well, these chemicals aren't so different from the protein power you took. Hmm, okay, well, that's we're going to say that's illegal. Okay, well, what about this genetic doping or, or blood? let's say blood doping first? What's well, your own blood? Why not use more of it? Hmm, should that be legal? I don't know. Well, you know, people in Japan are like, "Well, let's make everything legal," <laughs> you know, oh and just God. and just have fun, you know, be you know, yeah, side fights, Superman, let everybody, yeah. yeah, right. But at the same time, you know, then we're we're going down a, a, a course of creating something that is, I I find, almost socially reprehensible because you're basically exploiting an individual and making them die in the ring for you, uh, you know, yeah. so for your entertainment, you people know. are. You know, yeah. in some level, they're they're dumb. People are dumb. Right. So they're, they're if you if you say I'll give you this pill and it'll make you awesome, but you also of course might you'll die. take it. Yeah. No, you'll take it. Every I'll, fighter would take it. Yeah. Because we talked about the fighting spirit. Remember we talked about that. Mm -hmm. So if you said you can be champion by taking this pill, and it, and it's not illegal or anything like that, almost every fight, but you'll be dead in ten years. I'd say a good fifty percent of fighters would take it at least. Wow. They'd be like. I'll live my. I'll burn that candle fast and strong, and 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 you know, burn bright. The candle that burns out the fastest burns brightest. I'll be that bright burning candle and burn out fast, and I'll live my life in the fast lane. If you gave me a pill that said you'll live forever, but you're always going to be mediocre, I'm taking that one. <laughs> you know, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, because we all have our dreams of uh, of success in some level. Maybe mediocre in athletics, but you want to be excellent in in media and podcasting. We have these. These designs, but if you had a had a a way to jump three steps in whatever it is you're interested, a, a, you take it. A million years of mediocre would kind of suck. <laughs> you're right. You convinced me. Yeah, you just but be, I don't want you just be a, you just be a blah. You yeah. know, nobody wants that. Nobody wants uh, especially athletes. The fighting spirit, the competitive spirit. I want that edge. I want that edge, and that is true in every sport. Which is why steroids are endemic in high school football. They're everywhere. When now now let's let's just take that aside. Um, now let's look at the self-defense aspect. One of the reasons why a lot of traditional Asian martial arts don't work, and we talked about many reasons, well, well, it's contextual, this or that. 
and this this a lot of guys don't want to hear in the Asian martial arts. You your your leverage, you, what you're doing was designed to fight a 113 to 130 pound Asian male who is probably about five two, five three, and that is a fact because we, I mentioned on another podcast. You look at graves of you know samurai battles or battles in China or whatever, and you can see that this was the body type because they didn't have as much protein. They didn't. So you're dealing with a concept of a person who who is fighting you who's not that big and can't generate that much force. When you're dealing with the guy on the subway, and I had this conversation with a student of mine recently, he's like, I went on the subway and there was this guy and he was the biggest guy I've ever seen in my life. This student is, is not from America. And he's like, I have never seen anyone larger in my life. And I thought, if this guy attacked me, what the hell would I do? And he was, you know, Stefan Struve height mm-hmm. and with probably 300 pounds of muscle. What are you going to do? Well, you're... Aikido wrist lock is going to be problematic, <laughs> you know, because it was developed for a different body type. And steroids are a part of that. People, I personally know, like I said, I told you that person who was on the Olympic team of his country. I knew a person who was on a karate team for the former Soviet Union Republic, uh, a former Soviet Union, he, which is now Ukraine. And he was um, forced also to do steroids. And that was in the 90s. That was that was a long time ago. Um, and... Um, Basically, if you want to play professional sports, you are encouraged to do a lot of things that are really bad for you, but make you much stronger. And also, the problem with steroids and a self-defense aspect is it makes you more aggressive. And I personally was assaulted by a guy who was double my body weight in a in a gym because he went on roid rage and he tried to assault me. He was three, about 320 pounds and he, and he assaulted me in, in the locker room of a gym. Wow. He did because he went batshit crazy sorry and and just you know just decided to assault me and yeah. it was at that time i was 155 i was i was many years ago <laughs> and and uh and thank god my you know my jiu-jitsu training is is but he was also he also had some boxing some other background too mm-hmm. and he just came at me and um one of the scariest things in my life scariest times of my life wow. and thank god it was over and very very quickly and and my training thank, thanks to my instructors marcos and marcio my training uh, worked um, and and yeah. but uh, but very very scary very scary and you know this is what we're dealing with whether it's in the in the the professional realm of MMA or if it's in the realm of um, self defense you're dealing with people who are much larger and more aggressive than they were two three four hundred years ago mm-hmm. and put a knife in that guy's hand then then what do you got Forget oh my god geez. you know like you really have to know your stuff. Was one reason why I just say people like to do martial arts recreationally. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no such thing as recreational assault. <laughs> you know, oh, you know. So I say, if we're here, we're training. We're training to be real, and we understand the dynamics of modern self-defense today. Mm-hmm. And and also, we're training to expect cheating when when I'm in exactly. MMA to expect cheating. I say to my my student, and and we have a fight coming up this weekend. One of my students, super proud of him, but I'm like. Don't go in there expecting that guy's clean. Go in there expecting he's on every roid in the book right. and he's going to be 10 times stronger than you and he's also going to stick his thumb in the eye when the ref's not looking and he's going to try and do all this crazy. Expect that and protect yourself at all times. Don't think of it as like, oh, we're going to be fair because that's not what's going on right now. Most, unfortunately, most fighters are finding ways to skirt the rules and um, and that's a... Interesting. It is. It is what it is. I I, uh, I took a 
a couple of classes at, at a gym and, and they had a nutritionist there and he was trying to get me to, to, to take some stuff that, that was really bad, you know. It, really? Yeah. It like was, Fen uh, Fen kind of no, thing? No, it was um, uh, kale. Really, <laughs> really gross. <laughs> yeah. That which does not kale us makes us stronger. Yeah. That's funny. Thank you. Thank I you. I like it. Thank you. But no, kale is not good. I can't stand kale. No, um, you know, um, actually, you have to be careful with kale um, because you're like, what? What? He's a kale expert, too? <laughs> no. Um, but kale, uh, uh, if you have any sort of thyroid issues, eating too much kale is actually not good for you because it mimics the uh, thyroid uh, hormone huh. and can actually give you an, oh, a little bit of an overactive thyroid. So one of the reasons I have a family history of... Um, uh, overactive thyroid, so uh, kale is not my bag. No well, kale for me. It will kale me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been a while since I had a pun, so you know, you yeah. always, you always like, like Renee, cut the puns, cut the puns. Two in yeah. a row. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, um, <laughs> I hate kale, anyways. Yeah, kale uh, is kale. Do you know kale, broccoli, and and cauliflower are all the same uh, vegetable? And they were genetically modified, speaking of genetically modified, for over hundreds of years to be diverse. But they come from the same plant. Band and kale. Brussels sprouts, too. They're oh, all like, the same like plant. Yeah. They're, but three, for like a, or a thousand years ago, they were the same plant. Isn't that fascinating? That is weird. Yeah. But they, we, we talk about you know, genetically manipulated plant, plants, but uh, we've been manipulating our environment and our plants for a long time. And, yeah. and, and it goes back into what we were saying before. It's like we have these technologies uh, and... How do we ensure a fair fight? How do we do this? I, I don't have the answer. But from a self-defense point, you have to assume it will never be a fair fight. Mm-hmm. And that is how you keep your training real. And for my fighters, I go in, expect him to bite you. Expect him to put his finger in your eye. Like we, that fight. Every time said, you come in here, I expect you to bite me. You know, you kind of look kind of tasty. I could, there's a lot of meat on you. Uh-oh. You know, sawed up. And, you know, they say human flesh tastes like pork, so... <laughs> Yikes. You weren't expecting that. Yeah. <laughs> some fava beans. Fa- nice <laughs> I'm the Hannibal Lecter of martial arts. <laughs> oh my god, we just lost all of our subscribers. Oh my god, this show. Uh, this episode. No, I have went... a question for you. I have a question yeah, for you. Please. Okay, if you're in the Andes in that plane crash, you know that. Would you eat a person or not? Instantly, day one. Well, I mean, you would, right? Yeah, me too. Yeah, totally. You have to. Not I mean, day one. No, no, but, no. But know. I mean, if they're dead, right? I yeah. wouldn't kill them. But if they're dead, if there are corpses around, lying around, and you have nothing to eat, would you like, you know, fry up a fry up a person's leg? You and, have you know, to, right? You have right? To. I don't. I don't. I like. I had this discussion with someone. I'm like, why wouldn't you? But it's a person. No. Yeah. So you, am I. Would you rather eat yourself? Like, could you cut off your own leg and then eat that? Or is that weirder? <laughs> I I think that would you know defeat the purpose of like escaping. But you no. Know, but I see what you're saying. Maybe you cut off like your ear or something yeah just eat some cartilage or something yeah yeah i don't know but i don't think it would be so sustainable you know you'd have to cut off a tremendous amount to you know get the energy from the body part to uh, because then yeah. you'd you'd bleed out and you go into sepsis you know like well, i gotta take baby steps to eat yeah, people I but gotta... i would i would like i would like fry up my wife man anybody i don't care if they're dead you know like my mom you know tasty ribs <laughs> oh man i don't know <laughs> no, like you're... i don't see that like i guess i just had this discussion i don't see why it's so bad if they're already dead. Now, killing someone to survive, that's a totally different moral bag. But if the accident happened and they went in the Andes and there's, a, there's corpses lying around there. And, you know, everybody knows the story. You know, the, 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 the plane went down in mm-hmm. Argentina. Alive, yeah, yeah, right, alive. Right, yeah, yeah. Who, um, who um, what's his name is in the movie, uh, who I went to school with. Um, shoot, ah, I forgot 
his name? Famous actor. I went to school with him. Um, Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great guy. I had math class with him in uh, <laughs> NYU. Wonderful, wonderful person. But can't say enough good things about him. But um, but uh, so he was in it, and um, and uh, it, was a, it was a really good movie. But, you know, they're like, oh, my God, will I eat someone? And I was just talking to someone about this. I'm like, dude, man, I wouldn't even think twice. How long do you wait, though? This is a weird conversation. How long do you have to wait? <laughs> I, I'm hungry now. I'm, I'm not going to eat you, I promise. But uh, I haven't eaten in like five hours, and I'm, I'm already I, like, I don't know. I just had pad thai. Or no, uh, uh, not pad thai, uh, but, like, but uh, Thai noodles, so I, I'm okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. We'll you get know, you out of here before you get hungry. <laughs> you know, that's why I study jiu-jitsu. So in case of the zombie apocalypse, I always have someone to eat. <laughs> I, can, I can choke them out and eat them. <laughs> No, yeah. but uh, you know, it's it's like a moral dilemma, you know. When you're, it's something I was thinking about. Anyway, nothing to do with martial arts, but interesting. What would you do in the zombie apocalypse? Do you watch Walking Dead? I I haven't watched the last couple of seasons. I watched the first like four, and then I was like, no, oh, you're still zombies. Right. Yeah, well, you know, there was there was the whole group of uh, survivors that that captured um, other survivors and ate them. Oh yeah, I got through that. Part. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, that was yeah. like season six. Or something. Yeah, 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 and that was a really good like. We had to stop watching it. Yeah. Uh, Brianna couldn't handle that. Yeah, that was it. Was in there killing them, and you know yeah. they they're about to like you know they have this whole mechanized like food process. It was, it, but but you know what would you do to survive? Well, what that's would, not a sustainable yeah. resource because they the, there's not that many people. You'd run out. You have. I to guess have... so, but it's more sustainable than than cows or something. I guess I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody should just. Be but they were also, people. according to the story, it seemed like they were in a in a in a rail junction, like where it was kind of central to people escaping. Or yeah. Whatever. So they were they were drawing people. They in, were drawing right? people. Yeah. Yes. Right. 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 Interesting. But um, but uh, you know, it's it's funny in, in the like in the world. You know, I think the martial art world intersects with a lot of survivalist worlds. Oh yeah. So um. There's always a question of like, what would you do if you know the government went, you know, kaput, and how would you survive? Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't interest me so much. You know, I, I'm more interested in the, the here and now. But and the here and now comes back to what we were saying: is how do we deal with this, the society out of control in terms of the, the technologies that are that are pacing our ability to to deal with them, and and it, it's serious. So that that's just an interesting topic. Yeah. I know we didn't intend to talk about it today, but I think it was a very interesting topic. Well, we talked. You asked me uh, if I would eat somebody. Um, <laughs> that's those exact words. Um, would you get um, modified? Not like not genetically totally. modified, no, I get but it, like I get it. Uh, no. would you get a robot arm? Okay, so so you you. Ask a great question. Would I? Would I? Would I? I'm at the point where I'm fifty, almost fifty years old, right? So, um, you know, I got tested recently, and my testosterone levels are fine. But you know, if you have low testosterone levels, would you take TRT? You know, um, would you replace your my? Because I have an injury from my car accident. Would you replace it with a bionic or cybernetic enhancement? And I would say, if I'm not competing, for sure. You know, now if I'm competing against someone, I've put myself and Joe Rogan, you know, by his admission, he takes TRT every day and probably some other stuff too. But he's like, look, I can do whatever I want because I am not in a ring competing on someone else. I don't have to worry about an even playing field. But the minute you accept chemical or me mechanized mod uh, modification, is it even? And it, it's it's um goes back to that. You know, I'm not a I'm not a big baseball fan, but it's the Tommy John surgery. Do you know what that is? No. So basically, they have this surgery. This famous baseball player, Tommy John, had this injury in his arm. And they created a surgery 
that that corrected the injury but made his arm better than it was when it was healthy. Uh-huh. So there's some guys who went in and said, oh, my arm's messed up, you know, fix my arm. And they weren't really. Sure. But they had the surgery that made them better. So you're talking about, okay, it's not cybernetic, but it's the same thing. You increased your athletic potential by an artificial means. And is that legal when you weren't actually injured in the first place? People are wanting the injury so they can get the surgery. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to, to Star Trek, and I'm a big you know, sci-fi fan. You know, Jordy, you remember Jordy in Star Trek? Mm-hmm. Then, and, and he has the visor, and, and, and they, there was one guy who said to him, well, you can see 10 times better than everybody else now. You can see all the, the infrared spectrum and this ultraviolet and this, and you can see this and all these, and you can see someone's heart beating. Why don't, why don't all you humans put this thing on? And he's like, well, then we'd lose our humanity. Well, you know, who knows? What, how do we define this humanity? Right. And, and, and will we as athletes choose to disregard the, 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 our max potentiality? So if my max potentiality is here, but I add enhancement to get here a little bit above, I, I have gone beyond what I am as an athlete. But who determines what, what that line is? Like, okay, we're dealing protein powder, then we're dealing with you know, blood doping, which is still your own blood. Then we're dealing with this, this, this. Well, where, where is it artificial? Where is it not? And this is an issue that Jilson brings up a lot. He's like, you know, all these chemicals like testosterone are already in your blood. You're just adding a little more. Um, what's the problem? You know, I'm, I'm not saying he's an advocate of one way or the other, but, you know, that's the argument on the other side. Sure. Um, and the question is, if you're not in a fighting sport, who cares? Who's you harming? You're harming yeah, yeah, yourself. Yeah, right, 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 like, right. Well, know. I mean, obviously, there's there, if you don't do it right, you can cause the state uh, money as uh, uh, because you get a heart attack and go to the hospital and probably you know you you're causing medical system a little harm. But mm-hmm. but you're right. I mean, if you, if it's monitored by a doctor um, and done in a way that um, you know, because obviously some steroids are really, 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 really bad for you. But there are ways, and this is controversial to some people to hear, but there are ways to do those chemicals without um, the massive, horrible repercussions that we've seen in the past um, scientifically. Now, mm-hmm. I don't recommend that. That's not something I recommend. But it, it, you can see that people have gone all their lives with a certain level of enhancement chemical, and they seem to be okay. So obviously there's a way to do it. You yeah, know. so, yeah, so like with um, uh, drugs, drugs, and, and I'm not in favor of taking steroids. Let me repeat that. You know, I'm not, but but I'm just looking at the data. Yeah, but yeah. If, if it was decriminalized, at least on a, I mean, it is if you have a prescription, obviously right, you right. go to the doctor, you need it yeah. for. But if it was decriminalized for recreational use in a non-professional sports or even amateur sports way, would there be? Would it be safer? Would people be not putting things in their butt that? Um, yeah, it goes back to, to, to like heroin and and, and any those sort things. of drug. Right, really. you know, I'd rather have it, you know, monitored by the state, and so we don't, you know, have all these, you know, um, problems associated with like, you know, with drugs. It's like okay, you get HIV or this or that because it's such a dark world. You know, with steroids, and I'm sure it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but at the same time, um, what you know, this is this is someone said it to me like, what 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 moral compass are we setting for our people if we allow them to do this True. i don't know the answer and and that's an issue with drugs it's an issue with all drugs it's an issue with steroids what moral compass are you saying that you are not enough you're not enough the way you are you have to enhance yourself to be this and that that's um that's very problematic yeah. you know uh i i, I train brazilian jiu-jitsu for a specific reason and i'll tell you that is because it allows you to be amazing 
while being yourself. You don't need to do anything else. You just need to be training jiu-jitsu and express jiu-jitsu through your body. So if you have long legs, you're going to be a triangle choke guy. If you have short arms, you're probably going to be, you know, looking for arm bars and, and things like or chokes um, or, uh, you know, like hand choke, 10 finger choke, something like that. You'll play to your personal strength. So mm-hmm. someone asked me, like, what's the ideal body in jiu-jitsu? I'm saying, your ideal body is your body. If you're tall, you're going to fight like this. If you're short, you're going to fight like this. There's always a place for everybody. It's f- inclusive of every single body type, and there's a way to be amazing regardless of your physical attributes. Um, and that, to me, that's such an empowering message. And then the answer, the steroid side is no, you are not enough. You must do more. You cannot be an athlete unless you take this. You cannot be this unless you do you must be something other yourself it's sort of like mm-hmm. you know you know you can't be a model unless you're beautiful well yeah of course but um but you can still be a beautiful person and uh, i find that a much more humanistic message mm-hmm. uh and that's one of the reasons i absolutely love jujitsu and i don't like some other martial arts which said you must stretch your body to you know incredibly flexible levels and if you can't do that you can't fight or you must be super, super fast. If you're not fast like this and not aggressive, it isn't going to work. Huh. Well, some people can't be fast. You mean this guy who came to me? He's 61 years old. I'm like, well, you know, you're 61 years old. You're super slow. Ain't going to happen. Goodbye. No. Mm-hmm. You have to give these people um, some some idea of, of, of how can they be amazing within the confines of who they are. And that's the message that I like to send through, through jiu-jitsu. I'm not just a jiu-jitsu guy, but... Jiu-Jitsu is a unique art where it allows you to do that, I think, more than some other arts. But the the, the enhancement model, you are not enough, is is a, a non-humanistic message, a destructive message to me personally. Yeah. Um, however, like you said, you know, if I'm just 50 years old and I had low TRT and the doctor said, hey, do you want to feel better about yourself? You want to take some TRT? I would have to think about that. You know, I don't know. I don't know the answer. You know, if your back is injured through my car accident, you want to, hey, replace it with a, with a, you know, a cybernetic microchip and a rod. I mean, like, I'd probably be like, right. if I could be back to where I was in 1992 and have my body work amazing, you know, I'd be honest, I'd probably do it. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? I would do it. I would do it. So that makes me a total hypocrite. <laughs> You're doing it in a responsible way. So, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you yeah. give people enough rope and they're going to hang themselves right, so right. the regulation has to come into play so you can't give people access to everything because there are people out there that are irresponsible for, for sure with every every and and you know obviously renee would would eat somebody two <laughs> seconds after your plane <laughs> don't ride on a plane with renee unless you've eaten kale before unless you like kale then i won't <laughs> eat you <laughs> i'm gonna start eating kale now <laughs> we learned a lot today uh, Wait, the, weird, weird podcast. Conversation. <laughs> uh, we we talked before we started recording, and we had an idea of a plan, and it, that the plan got thrown out the window. Out the window. Um, out out but, the th- but, third story, crashing on the carpet, just to we'll you know. Go down there and catch it, because we'll, <laughs> we'll put on the next the next episode. Um, <laughs> we do have UFC two twenty three coming up in the next couple weeks. April Amazing thir- third. Yeah, I don't know, April yeah, yeah. second. I, I, no, you're right. I think you're, you're third, um, second, or third. They're going to be in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, and I'm still looking for tickets. Nobody's um, giving me any yet. But uh, if, if if not, I'll be on my couch watching the show, getting uh, ready to be choked or whatever um, happens to me. Um, please let us know what what the the stakes should be for the the Nami Yunus and Jujurzik fight. Yeah, man, I cannot wait. It's going to be a great card, and uh, the 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 look of of 
anticipation in Renee's eyes right now as he sees the future where he gets to hurt me. It's pent up aggression. And you know, man. you know, and it's gonna turn into some like barbecue too. You're gonna eat me? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Eating each other is not. You know, a, is it not like am I gonna southern barbecue sauce or am I gonna go like more Cali northern? You know, I think I would taste good with like a honey barbecue. Honey, honey, honey mustard. Yeah, honey. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'll try myself out and see how. <laughs> you know, this was this is totally not what we had to talk about, but it was very entertaining. Yeah, and now I'm hungry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> let's go get a burger. <laughs> definitely, Th- uh, everybody listening. Thanks for thanks for doing that, making it all the way to the end of our ramblings. Um, make sure you give us a review on iTunes because that's how we know we love you, love us, and we love you back. Um, and do you want to make an announcement about the new company, or you know? Oh yeah, um, thank you. Um, so we had Gotham Podcast Studios where we record our our podcast. That's what we're doing, and uh, we have transitioned to the Gotham Podcast Network. So no longer affiliated with Christopher Media. We love Christopher Media. Thanks for all your support over the last uh, six months or so. We've been doing this, but um, you know we're going to be on some more distribution networks. Spotify coming soon. Yeah, iHeartRadio, um, a couple other ones, Castbox, TuneIn Radio. Uh, something called Deezer, which I think is mainly in the UK or somewhere over there. So there's a lot more distribution channels. You hear us in a lot more areas. Uh, so big things coming for us in this upcoming year. Um, thanks, everybody, for supporting that. And we're very excited. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So uh, to big sh- things. Share it around. Like it. And I guess if you have anybody who wants to do their own podcast, uh, talk to this guy, Matt Peterson. If you're in the New York City area and you want a podcast, uh, we, we got your hookup. Yeah, and I can vouch for the awesomeness of Mr. Matt Peters. Oh, he just buttering me up so he can eat me and taste better. (laughs) All right, guys, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Marshall underscore Culture and on Instagram at Marshall Culture Cast. Please leave a review on iTunes, and we'll see you next time on the Marshall Culture Podcast.